Welcome to Box Out Banter. I'm Chris Okamura. Jordan Christmas. First week of the NBA season. Very exciting. But Jordan, yes, sir. we have this we have this fire track going on behind us right now. Yeah, the this track, shout out to my college roommate, one of my best friends, Alex Diaz. He's a huge music nerd. Uh he studies music. He has an ear for this stuff. Honestly, one of the best ears for music that I know. And so I had to make this track very reminiscent of the early late 90s, early 2000s NBA jam type of feel that I grew up with. I was a big NBA hang time uh, guy on on the uh, Nintendo 64, play the arcade games and the NBA jam arcade games. And so, you know, it was it's his first time, funny enough, making like a track like this, kind of like a hip hop hybrid mix. Um, He nailed it. And he doesn't really do that stuff. And within like, this is the second try, pretty much this track that you're hearing. And it was, it was awesome. Did a little few tweaks. He also tweaked it a little bit and it just, it's awesome. Shout out to Alex, man. Yeah, it's super, it's super great. And when you showed it to me, I got immediate, like, like you said, NBA jam vibes, NBA street vibes. The... Yeah. When you hear the first 10 seconds, you start doing the head bob. You're just like, oh yeah. Okay. And you're feeling All it. Right. Yeah. And you're feeling it. Yep. And then it gets into it and you're like, oh, okay. Like it, <laughs> it's a, it's an awesome track. So shout out to Alex. And then you, sir, uh, went in with the content, uh, making yeah, it, it, it not to your me. level video. <laughs> It ins- the music inspired me. So like, yeah, it uh, it started out, I think the first time you sent it to me, I think the next day I sent you the splash screen of like our logo and our intro in a style of like an old NES, Super NES game yep. with a start button and things like that. And so that's how it started. And it was, it was pretty funny. And then I was originally going to make just a static image of the NBA Jam uh, team select screen with just our pictures in it, which I thought it would be funny. Yeah, when you and, asked uh, when you asked me to send when you asked me to send my, you a picture of myself, I was like, oh, I have a feeling where I know where he's <laughs> going with this. <laughs> so yeah, it started out with just the static image, and then uh, as I started going down the rabbit hole, because I needed to build each element of it, right? So I I was like, all right, as I'm going through these elements, I was like, oh, I could make it, I can make this move, I can I can animate this, and then I was like, man, you know what'd be really cool if instead of just our picture, you had to like scroll down through other teams to get to us and maybe you go past, <laughs> yep. you go past it once and go back up and then i was like man you know what? that'd be really cool and was, then let me the... see if i can do that and then it just took me a couple more hours and i got it done and uh it, it was one of those things where you know you're like in the weeds making it and i was like man i don't know how this is gonna look and then when i exported it i was like holy shit <laughs> i yep. nailed this <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's like it's like whenever you you're done making a YouTube video or something like for me, like whenever I'm done putting it together and I'm not, not sure, I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Did I mess up here? Did, and then you watch it and you're just like, yeah, no, this is a this is pretty fire. <laughs> <laughs> and so like if, if you go to our box out banter Twitter account, it should be pinned up there. Uh, you'll see the video. It All the team selections are funny. Like so NBA jam nba hang time usually it's a team of two it's two on two and so you go through the selection menu and it's different uh, podcasts and it's it's all ingested fun but they have a it's it's a stats of each uh podcast like we had the mismatch on there with kevin o'connor and chris vernon's pictures up there with stats it's it was a honestly like the level of detail you put into it i was like damn like i need to get on that level of photoshopping and effects i'm still new at it i'm more of the audio 
video editor type, not the Photoshop. I stink at that stuff usually. Like, it's usually really bad. It's like, you'll see, like, the the edges where I'm <laughs> where I'm cutting out pieces or, like, you'll see they're still there and stuff. It's really rough. But uh, I need to get on your level. <laughs> Yeah, man, it just it took years of kind of getting getting practice of it and trial and error, right? But yeah, yeah. the it was it was a it was a couple hours of me looking at the NBA Jam screen, and then looking at what I was working on, and being like, all right, what moves, what doesn't move, what flashes, what color changes, all kinds of stuff, and I got it pretty close. Yeah, uh, but it, it yeah, looking at it now, it's so, it's like so satisfying to watch. Of just like, man, I could look at this forever, and then it got me thinking. I would play the hell out of an NBA or like sports podcast two on two. on two. I mean, I got, I still got the, I still got the left hook going. People, it's, it's funny. The most, uh, whenever I, I used to play a uh, pickup hoops, uh, the comp that I would pandemic. get the most, yeah, pre-pandemic, and also when I was a tad bit younger in my twenties, the comp that I would get was Zach Randolph. But I think the reason I got that is because I really had a left hook and i could barely jump <laughs> so i think that's the only reason i got got those comparisons but um but no zach zach is obviously we're in no comparison here zach is obviously universe is better than me but that was the comp i got in my uh ballpark days but i think it was more because i couldn't jump and i was a lefty more than the skill itself <laughs> yeah i would get a, i would get jj reddick a lot because again lefty and i would get the uh yeah shoot and I, i'm pretty scrappy on defense and jj so, reddick's you know, right jj reddick's righty who am I thinking of? Corver? Is Corver the righty? You might be thinking of Kennard. <laughs> oh, God. Well, so let's, <laughs> let's get into the season. So what? Yeah, let's get into <laughs> So what is... So we've, we've had about three to four games, depending on the team, of worth of, of NBA one, basketball. One if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder and or Houston and the, Rockets. And the Houston Rockets. <laughs> um, there's some games going on right now, but like, what, ha- what is your takeaway from the season? What, what things are sticking out to you? All right, so... I feel like this shouldn't have to be said, but I want to throw out the big caveat so we never have to bring this up for the rest of this damn podcast. It's only three games in. Yeah. Stuff is going gonna... to change. There, We don't want to overreact. This is with the things in mind that it's very, very, very early. Yes. And as much as we want to say we don't want to overreact, we don't want to overreact, everybody's really trying to like hold back from like not wanting to overreact. We're just commenting on what we see. And like sometimes there can be tri- little starts of trends you find that could manifest throughout a season. Right. But I have a few takeaways. One, the slate of Christmas Day games, they, they sucked, honestly. Um, yeah there are a lot of it, blowouts honestly like i think it's i was looking this up too i think 2015 was the last time where the majority of the christmas day games were actually good um but and uh but um i did learn you could still like pick up a few things here and there um <laughs> i was telling you before i record before we were recording this um that uh i was hanging out with my family on christmas day nice in quarantine got a little day drinking going with a nice glass of wine and then the wine took me out about I, I missed the Pelicans heat game I had to I had to rewatch that one um and I had to rewatch some of the uh back end of the first half of the Nets Celtics and the third quarter because at that point the wine took me out and so I slept for part of that game so I had to rewatch <laughs> it but dude we talked about it in this podcast before, and I just wanted to see it. And it preseason gave me good signs, but I am very comfortable with uh, changing 
my Eastern Conference favorite this early in the season. I just needed to see it to believe it. People can call me late to the party or whatever. But the Brooklyn Nets, to me, are the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Um, Kevin Durant looks like he's fine. He might have lost a little bit of a vertical leap, but he was never a vertical leaper in the first place. In the game against the Celtics on Christmas Day, Durant had a baseline dunk, drive and dunk on Jason Tatum, where maybe 2016 Kevin Durant would have gotten a little bit higher, but I'm nitpicking. Like this dude, yeah, he has, incredible. He had the handle, he had the pull up game going, he had the post fadeaway game going. He 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 looks like he's 100% back or close to it as possible. And the Nets are committing themselves to the defensive end. I know it's early in the season, but the Nets are second in defensive rating, and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant have seemed to have recommitted themselves to the defensive end of the floor. They lost a weird game against the Hornets yesterday, a game that I rewatched earlier today. Um, But if you just look at the Nets, they are just loaded with offensive talent. And it's not just you know, Durant and Irving, but Joe Harris is now getting wide open shots off weak side, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, off weak side. He, they, he's shooting open weak side corner threes, Spencer Dinwiddie, although that's going to be a, I, that, that's a I huge think, injury to me. I think that's going to be a huge injury because while the Nets do have depth, I think Dinwiddie was the one guy you cannot lose because the Nets don't really have a backup guard at ball handler out. You could put Karis Levert there, but Karis Levert has his own role as kind of like the scoring supercharger spark plug. Like Spencer Dinwiddie can play, make a little bit. He could shoot off the dribble. He can get, he can uh, get into the lane. He's a slasher. And that knee injury um, is that we now know is a partially torn ACL. That's going to be huge. But I think if fully healthy, even without a Dinwiddie, I think the nets are the favorite in the east yeah so totally agree with you my the big my biggest takeaway was the i love karis levert as like your lou williams off the bench when he leads that second unit i think he's overqualified to be oh yeah i I think he could i think he's overqualified he could start on a lot of teams but that dude as a six man he was gonna do some great stuff but now i think he's gonna start don't you think probably now now with all the with the injury concern yeah yeah, with the injury yeah but i mean the, the thing is him coming off the bench on that second unit was terrifying because he was destroying second units. Yep. Uh, the thing was the thing that I noticed going back to even to yesterday. I like the Hornets. I really do. And I know we've talked a lot about them and I've watched a lot of them, but I like, I have to, I like the Hornets. They have a good energy. Lamella, when Lamella is in there, they obviously they haven't been using him a ton, but when he's in there, there's like a different kind of energy. Rogier's been on fire to start the season. Grant's been great. PJ Washington's been great. Uh, Gordon Hayward's been really good at settling them down in the half court, but he's yep. not limiting them in the fast break. Like they're running, and he's just kind of hanging back. Yeah. And then if they slow down, or if they get all, me- if they get messed up, he just slows it down, top of the key, and just runs the offense, which is perfect role for him at this stage in his career. And he's playing great. You know, the only thing is like you hope he doesn't get hurt, but. As of right now, I like the Hornets more than I thought I would have, and I thought I I don't think they're going to be as bad as I thought they were going to be either. Um, and that kind of goes in that kind of goes into another thing too. Of, I think all the rookies this year are playing fantastic. There's a lot of rookies that are playing real good basketball right now. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, I was going to say I'm actually kind of lukewarm on the Hornets more than I thought they would be. Um, I think their offense will get a little bit more to 
the middle of the pack. Again, it's three games in, but yeah, again, it looks really, like really. A, I think their defense has potential to be really terrible. And I actually, I was thinking about this before the podcast, but I think the Hornets still might end up being bad anyway. Cause I know we were talking about like, I would, I wouldn't have signed Gordon Hayward. I would have just went all young and tried yeah. to, you know, go for the Cade Cunningham sweep, the uh, sweepstakes. But honestly, I think the defensive personnel they have, I think it's terrible. Um, Bismack Biombo being your starting center um, is not, I mean, yeah, I guess you have an NBA rotational big at the center spot, but Biombo's not really good. And you still have. Uh, also, having watching, been watching Hornets games, I had no idea that. The Hornets people call him Biz, and I was like, "That's a cool nickname." <laughs> oh yeah, Raptors fan. Raptors fans uh, called him the Father after he had a few <laughs> after he had a few good uh, playoff games. Um, but and I like PJ Washington when they, especially when they go super small. I just think that lineup lacks rim protection. Um, I was when I was watching the Nets Hornets game earlier today. Yeah, the Nets only scored one hundred and four points, but. If you looked at the shots they were getting, they were just open yeah. shots, just off penetration, off transition. I think the Hornets defense has a chance to be really bad. And I think the offense will get middle of the pack. I think Lamelo's gonna I think Lamelo's gonna have some really high highs and some really low lows, because I think that's just we talked about it. That's just the type of prospect he is. He's very highly talented, but he still has to iron out some very, very big holes, yeah. big holes in his game. And um, it's more consistent though than I thought it was going to be to start. It look the uh, the mechanics and stuff. Yeah, it, it seems like he's gotten better. Like his legs aren't going out on an adventure every time he takes a jumper. Like uh, like he like he uh was overseas. Yeah. But um, he just takes bad. He takes some terrible shot selection. And then the combination of Rogier and Graham as your backcourt. And Graham has kind of been, you know, up and down a little bit to start. I want to see if he could keep his form up from last year. Um, but that defense that backcourt defensively, I don't think is good at all either. So the Hornets might be still bad anyway. Um, rookies, though, you're right, dude. Like the rookies uh so far have been They've been impressive. Precious Achua for Miami has, I mean, the Heat have already started like putting Achua on guys like Zion and shit. And, you know, he's holding his own. You know, he's 6'9, 230. Like, that's solid. And he's definitely a Heat player personified. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton here in Sacramento. Luke Walton's already throwing him in closing lineups. Um, Anthony Edwards, although he had a bad game against the Lakers uh, yesterday, he's kind of showing that like if you get him downhill, like seems like the Wolves yeah. are gonna let him play to his strengths, which is good. And he's we don't... he's doing a great job leading the second unit too. Like yeah, he's, he's doing a great job with that. Uh, James Denny Wiseman, Ob- getting oh James Wiseman looks <laughs> James Wiseman at the end of the year we might just be a uh, like uh, I think Ryan Rosillo said it on his uh podcast the other day but we might be looking at the end of the season saying like well why well why wasn't Wiseman like the clear-cut number one guy because even the stuff that like are his flaws or stuff he needs to work on when he does it in game you're just like damn like that's impressive like him Mm -hmm. like him doing a fake dribble handoff to Steph on opening night and then driving to the basket for a layup with agility and it's like or it's, even t- just taking like the mid-range jumper, the three he shot a yeah, he shot did three. He, he, has, he, made, he has, 
like he has good touch and he's already athletic. He can run the floor. He's a good kid. It seems like he's very attentive. Um, Draymond already said like this kid's going to be special and Draymond's not one to just throw praise onto anybody. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, I do feel bad for Steph and the Warriors though. I imagine we'll talk about them soon, but Denny yeah. Obdia starting for the wizards too. Um, on a he team that I, the team that I think is going to look like a playoff, I think a fourth or a fifth seed, at least like that's the ceiling of this team, at least. And Obdia has just been solid and these rookies have just been solid. And I think that's what the ceiling of this draft class or not the ceiling, but that's what we expected from this draft class. Not necessarily a star player coming in and wowing you right away, but a lot of these guys are contributing. Right. Even something like Obi, Obi Toppin in the game and a quarter that he played looked solid. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cole Anthony's looked great coming off the bench. We'll talk about Marco Fultz in a second too. Uh, there's a there's a Fultz renaissance going on apparently. Yeah, word weird. out in the street. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I totally I totally agree with you. Like all of these guys look like solid NBA players. Uh, you know, also the, also they're the waiting. The, the, the Thunder are waiting to unleash Pokashevsky. There's there's holding them off. The oh, the league's not ready. So the league is not off. ready for Pokashevsky once they're he not, figures it out and gains just, thirty pounds. <laughs> they're just waiting. They're the, the Thunder are waiting. They're trying to tank this year, so they don't want to like overwhelm the league. Along with all the draft picks that Thunder <laughs> have accumulated, they should accumulate as much pasta so they can have Pokashevsky eat it every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of rookies, uh, the Cavs have been really fun to watch these three days, and I know they've played bad teams, but I think I might have underestimated their ceiling as a play-in team. I think J.B. Bickerstaff's um, not offensive revamp because that implies like the coach completely just revamped everything but it seems like there's a very big difference especially when he took over last year after the whole um jim beeline fiasco and a disaster and thugs and slugs and you know people making bone slugs and harmony jokes all that um i think what has happened is one Darius Garland seems to be so far taking the next step in his game. He's become a better passer. I think the Cavs weirdly have found themselves with the bevy of big men who know how to pass. Larry Nance is always, he was underrated since he got to Cleveland. But <laughs> Do you see his tweet passer. today, by the way? Uh, Sexland? Something yeah. about Sexland. I want to say I want to give proper credit. I think the Chase Down podcast, which is one of the more popular Cavs niche Cavs podcasts, they came up with they were selling Sexland T-shirts at the beginning of the incredible. uh, It's such a great. And so they came up with that term first. But Nance did put it on blast today. And I like that. Um, But uh, I think with Nance, Drummond and Love, they have a combination of passing hubs around the high post and Garland taking the next step as a playmaker that it's more so put Colin Sexton in a finisher role. And Colin Sexton has been a very, very efficient offensive player since uh, the All-Star or since January last year. And he's become a great three-point shooter. And in in his role, if he's a finisher as opposed to a secondary Ball handler, ball handler where you're asking him to play make a little bit also um i think that's a good role for him i think he has like a i think he's i think right now he has like an over 60 true shooting percentage just something wild like that Th- this backcourt has been if you're looking for a confirmation of a in theory garland uh sexton backcourt to work it, you were kind of seeing it a little bit obviously i don't want to again i don't want to overstate 
you know, the Cavs. I still think they're going to be at the bottom of the East, but I think they might be a play-in team this year. Um, yeah. And I, and also, I forgot to mention why I brought them up in the first place. Isaac Okoro, another great rookie. He played in a double overtime game against the Pistons where he scored zero points but played 42 minutes and was a plus 16. And if that doesn't describe to you the type of player that the Cavs drafted, like rookies just don't do don't score at all. When rookies don't score in a game, you're they usually don't do anything else because they're rookies and they're inexperienced. Yeah, they don't want to do anything else. And they don't know what to do. Okoro played 42 minutes in a double damn overtime game as a rookie and was a plus 16 scoring zero points that tells me something about this kid a lot the well what i already knew about this kid yeah but i remember we talked about okoro and how much we love we loved okoro in the draft special and we talked about it a lot in when he got drafted again my concern with him was always like who's gonna get him the ball and it seems like that's the case now where he's having trouble finding his spot on offense but defensively, he's he's doing a great job. He's doing all the extra little things that you need to do. And I still think he's a great player. Um, I, again, I just think it's a weird fit with him. But again, I, I might be wrong about the Cavs. I think they're going to be better than I thought they were going to be. They originally. have a lot more passers than you would think. I think they yeah. are averaging over, thir- obviously, 30 assists a game. That is not going to continue for the Cavs. No. But I think with the common, I think if Garland continues to sustain this playmaking and with the bevy of passing bigs the Cavs had where they could run dribble handoffs and things like that. I think uh, Okora will find his offensive role a little bit easier, I guess. There are still fit concerns for sure, but I think it might be a little bit more pieced together than what we initially thought because I had him as a lottery hunting team and they still might be lottery hunting, but I think the play-in is not out of the question with this team. Um, That's fair. I think think that comes to the East too. Like I think the East... The bottom half of the East is really weird, but uh, it is. I do. I do want to talk about the Magic because the Magic are surprising me a little bit. I think yeah. they're a lot more competitive than I thought they were going to be, and it, it kind of comes down to Markel Fultz kind of having this huge mm-hmm. glow up. Uh, I don't know where this is coming a little, from, but he, a, li- a little bit. Um, he's averaging twenty points a game. He's shooting. The thing that that comes to mind is his shooting percentages. Yep. Still shooting, shooting. Tw- shoot, still shooting 25% from three. But in terms of, uh, you know, two-point field goals, I think right now he's shooting he's shooting uh, 53.7%, which is obviously a career high for him. We'll see if he can shoot 86% it. from the line. Yeah. And uh, really good. it's a 56% true shooting percentage. It would be right around league average last year. I don't know if he's going to average 20 points um, per game. Um, he's always been a good passer and a rebounder for his size. I think the other, I think what's impressing people right now is that he continues his improvement defensively because he's always had the physical tools to be a defender. And that was the knock on Markel. Uh, and what I saw from him coming out of college is that when he has the physical tools to be a great defender, he's smart. He can read passing lanes, but is he always engaged? Uh, can he get the nuances of an NBA scheme down, et cetera, et cetera? It seems like he's making more strides on that end, plus not being a complete liability so far as an offensive player. I still want to see it. And also, right. again, he's still shooting 25% from three, and he's taking almost three a game now, which is also a career high so far to this point. It's just really hard for me to justify the extension that he got when an NBA guard averaged... It's hard for a Sixers fan to, to accept the pain, I know. <laughs> no, it, it, if he becomes good, I'll be happy for the kid. And yes, I will be pissed that 
not pissed <laughs> that he got better, but I will be pissed at the missed opportunity. Right. Because, because I'm but, just fucking with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to be harsh on the kid here because I think he, there is still he's still a talented player. I just wouldn't have given him that extension. But it looks like Cole Anthony and Fultz could. That that not combination start, is really good, especially if Cole Anthony could, you know, at least be a really good shooter from three to maybe so you won't have to worry about Markel's development as much as a three point shooter because he does legitimately bring other stuff to the table, but. Right. It to just me, kinda... the biggest thing, the biggest thing for Fultz with me is the free throw shooting because the way that he plays with the shiftiness and the and the movement mm. and his handle, him and the way he finished, he he's still a great finisher at the rim. He's and shooting ninety two percent from the line on uh, four point three attempts per game in the okay yeah so, so far. I, I even sold him short. So the thing is, like the thing with Fultz is he's with the way that he plays and his style of game. Even if he his shooting gets better. His bread and butter is going to be going to the basket and getting getting to the line. And so if yep. he can if he can just hit free throws, that's still extremely valuable to have. Even if he's coming off the bench or even if he's just a rotation guy, it yep. it becomes extremely valuable for him to just be able to hit free throws. Yep. And um, you know, they the magic, they still have I mean, Steve Clifford is a good defensive coach. He's going to have them he's going to have them playing great defense. Everybody kind of stopped believing in the magic because it's always been, you know, great off or great defense, um, you know, mediocre to blah offense. Um, right now, they're <laughs> per cleaning the glass. They're seventh in offense, twelfth in defense, and you know they still have Vucevic. It kind of sucks that Isaac isn't. Um, kind of sucks maybe that Isaac, really interesting. They, with that, with, maybe with really Jonathan interesting Isaac. with with Jonathan Isaac out there, but. Yeah, the Magic, uh, they're kind of uh, putting some things together in this young season. Now, again, I want to caution with all of these teams again. Um, I did see the process Sixers, the first year of the process. I did see them start off like in their first five games. I uh, saw them start off really well. Everybody remembers the Michael Carter-Williams game where in his rookie debut, he just annihilated everything and and got a victory over the defending champion Miami Heat. But um, it is a good. It's a good. It's still at the begin. It's good vibes all around to to start the season. Um, going to the west side, James Harden is still fucking good at basketball. Yeah, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's it, really good. And the thing is, I'm I'm kind of sad that he wants to leave because this team is so interesting. I love the Christian Wood pickup. He's balling out. He looks great. Mm-hmm. I he's love been looking good in the preseason too. Yeah, and the thing is, we haven't seen Wall or Cousins yet because of the COVID protocols. But like, I think that they're gonna—they looked great in the preseason too. This roster is so interesting, and I think it's honestly one of the deeper teams that Harden's had in Houston. Yeah, uh, like I was like I was saying last episode, I think it's a shame that. I mean, if Arden wants to leave, that's his prerogative. He could do whatever right. he wants. He could do whatever he wants with his career. But uh, I just think this team would be so much fun to watch because they have a Harden has another offensive dynamic that he, that he hasn't really played with before. Um, obviously, last year the Rockets' identity was you know take out the center. We're going to spread everything out for Harden and Russ. But like 
John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins pick and pop. Like that's that's a nice, interesting wrinkle. Like I saw whenever Harden played with Wall and Cousins in that preseason game against the Spurs, Harden was just naturally filling lanes and transition and getting open threes organically because Wall was pushing the ball. They have they still have PJ Tucker, Daniel House. Um, they they're deeper now. They have more wings. I just think uh, the Rockets they're not necessary. They're not going to be a contender, but obviously Harden's a walking playoff berth. He might have a deeper roster. I don't know if the talent is necessarily as great, obviously, but they it's more full of NBA players. Um, right. But the Rockets. I, I mean, Harden was out partying, going to strip clubs, going to stuff maskless, and came in looking like me after like the holiday season and still dropped 44 and 17. Like that's nobody who, who does that. And it's always tough to, cause Harden's 31. It's always tough to know how his game is going to age because he's not his, his explosiveness and his athleticism is in the fact that he can stop faster than everybody else, like his yeah. deacceleration. So I don't know how that ages. Like I don't I mean, think he's gonna, he's there's parts get... of Harden's game where I'm like, that's going to age well. He's always going to be able to step back from three. He's always going to be an incredible passer. He's always going to craft his way to the free throw line, and his footwork and his footwork is incredible. Also, there's I'm sure there's stuff that's going to age, but maybe the durability, his trademark durability, might go away. But I don't know. It's tough to gauge that. I'm totally with you. I think to me, I see his game. I think he has to change as he gets older, he'll start to change and be back to being more off ball and being used more like a Reggie Miller where he's running off right. screens and sort of being used in more creative ways than just, I'm going to handle the ball and try to break down my man. Uh, Cause as, as he starts to get older, he's going to lose a lot of the quickness to get that first step in. Right. But yeah. um, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think, he does have the tools to age gracefully in the NBA. It's just a matter of mentally whether or not he wants to do it. Like I thought Carmelo had the perfect tools to age gracefully into the NBA, which he is now, but the couple of years where he fought against it were yeah. very hard to watch. <laughs> like AP, they said I had to come off the bench and stuff, stuff like that. He, yeah. like, Melo had to, he, he even admitted this year, like he had to change his mindset. Like, it, And now like, he's fantastic. To me, yeah. to me, the best version of Melo was always the Team USA Melo, playing off ball, catch and shoot, go to the yeah. basket. Like to me, the, the Team USA Carmelo Anthony was the best version of Carmelo Anthony and someone that I would love to have on a team. The Knicks, give me the ball and let me ISO Carmelo, not so much. <laughs> I mean, it did work for a 54. It did. And, I, and I, again, I'm not saying it like this is a bad thing. And I, I just don't think it's the ideal it's the, way you use yeah, our, the Carmelo ideal. Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. Um, I just, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how Harden ages um, just, be, just because of what he's had the ball in his hands for so long. But it, like er, you see early in his OKC days where he was, he was also more willing to be a slasher hit the hitter yeah. hit with the floater game he had mid, he had that mid was, range that was like the best version of harden to me like he, like look at james harden's last two years if he these last three years of harden in houston and look at harden's first two years after he got traded to houston like it's still a different it's a different player 
um, just stylistically how he approaches the game and how he's mastered the game. Um, but he, I think he will at some point have to dial that back. But right now, he's still really good. He's still cooking. And the, so we talked about the Nets earlier. If I'm the Nets, looking at the roster we had, I don't know if I give up Karis LeVert, uh, Jared Allen, and and Dinwiddie for Harden. I don't know. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have either. I would have liked to see what this team looked like yeah. going for the year. But like that was something we talked about a couple weeks ago. And like the yeah. more the more I see this Nets team together, the more I see the depth. The more I see how well the depth works with Kyrie and Durant. And the the more I see Kyrie and Durant kind of just cook people in the way that their offense flows. I don't know if adding Harden to the mix is the right call. And I don't know oh. if getting rid of trading the depth for Harden is the right call. And so, yeah, I, I agree. And also, just another note on Kyrie this is the healthiest Kyrie has looked since his Cavalier days, honestly. Like, he physically, he looks good. Physically, he looks good. Um, he, his burst is, his burst is, you know, back to pre injury or last year of the Cavaliers, Kyrie. Like, and when he's like when he's right, he's one of the he's one of the very best offensive players in the league. And just having those two on the floor at the same time, like in crunch time, the Nets ran. It was it was a little clunky, but it was it ended up being a Durant Kyrie pick and roll. And yeah. Kevin Durant caught it on the pick and pop. He drove baseline and had a very Kevin Durant shot to tie the game that he has made. We have seen him make it 10,000 times in his life. And he barely missed it. And you could just see the stuff the Nets are going to be cooking with. And uh it's I wouldn't I wouldn't trade a I would if I were the Nets, I would just leave the team as is as well. Um speaking of, you know, teams that have made moves and wanting to uh, you know, possibly making moves or staying pat. Um what have you made so far about you know the Phoenix Suns, and have you watched any? Have you watched any of their games? Uh, what? What are your? Their, I've watched every NBA game so far, right? Um, and, um, there's, and, not, there's not that many. <laughs> yeah. Um. What? What have you been your first takeaways from the Suns so far? They played the Mavericks, and then they've played uh, the Sacramento Kings twice. Um, when what, they look really good, when they look good, they look really good. Yeah, I can't wait to see when they're clicking on all cylinders. To me, they're just going to get better. Uh, Booker's been off to start the season, in my opinion. He's been he's been looking a little shaky. Yeah, uh, but I think De- DeAndre Ayton's been playing out of his mind. Markel, Markel Bridges looks great. Uh, Mikel Bridges, that's the one I want to touch on. Like he's he looks back, fantastic. He's back to uh, he's taking in a three games so far. He's taken nearly seven threes a game. And if any of you watched him at Villanova, he caught and shot threes with no hesitation off movement um off pin downs um spot up even a little off the dribble although he could get away with that in college because he's not really an off the dribble player at all um he he was a dead eye shooter and then for some reason and like with brandon clark going on right now in memphis for some reason going into the summer like for mikhail bridges going into that draft he started changing his shot and his shot looked really weird. And for the first two seasons with the Suns, he was hesitant, wasn't as quick triggery with his threes. He shot 35% his, or 33% his rookie year, 36% his sophomore year, but very low attempts. He barely took three a game last year. 
Now it looks like he's back to Villanova Mikkel Bridges as a shooter. And if that sustains for the Suns this year, the Suns are going to have a different dynamic that can possibly change this team. You know, I was talking about the Suns are my high-octane team. Mikkel Bridges, going back to being a Villanova, Villanova 45% from three Mikkel Bridges, that's the autrous, that's the uh, nitrous oxide the Suns need to be able to vault them, you know, maybe a little bit further past expectations because he's a terror on defense. Luka Doncic was having fits with Mikkel Bridges on yeah. Open night. And that's and that was the that was actually the case last year whenever the Suns played the Mavericks. They would stick Mikel Bridges on Luca and Luca, you know, you're not gonna slow down Luca, but Mikel Bridges is long. He's very good laterally, and he's a very smart off-ball defender. He's a complete package as a defender. And with his uh three, he's been pumping and he's been pumping and driving now, finishing at the rim. Like the Suns have and again, it kills me because the Sixers fucking traded this guy for, <laughs> for, for peanuts. For peanuts, pretty much. Like, I mean, I would, I'm not going to get into that trade. I'll talk about it later. But Mikael Bridges <laughs> is a very good NBA player. And I am mad again that the Sixers don't have him. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks fantastic. And the thing is, too, and we talked about it last week or whenever we did the prediction episode, Jay Crowder is an underrated pickup. Oh, absolutely. And the the combination of Bridges and Crowder for someone like Luca, where okay, you have to deal with Markel Bridges, and then he goes on the bench. You're like, thank God he's out of the out of here. And then they go, they switch Jake Crowder on you, and he just goes shit. It's like the LeBron meme of Kawhi coming into the game of like shit, he's coming. Yeah, in here. yeah. And it's like, man, what do you? They have the wing defense there, and then you're funneling them into you're funneling them into DeAndre Ayton. Well, they have not just the wing defense, but you have the guard defense too. Like, yeah, it's Paul picking you up ninety four feet, but then Javon Carter comes in, and you're just like, damn it! Like, and then they I... have they have high energy guys. They have Cam Johnson coming off the bench too. The thing, like, yeah. they have so there's so many tools. And the Cam Johnson there... was a key player in their deadly lineups last year. Like... Yeah, and so the depth in, of this roster is awesome and i love what they look like i I'm i do think stand- you, you could clearly I'm... see they're trying to figure each other out but but it what... still looks good when it when it yeah. clicks it looks really good and i, like, I, I would just get... conti- i would consider i would think that this is going to continue throughout the season we're still really early i keep seeing and deandre ayton's not going to keep getting eight shots a game like he has been so far um i think his chemistry with chris paul is still being ironed out a little bit um i've seen chris paul an eight and zero a few times during yeah. Suns games, you know, just, you know, talking about what I'm assuming is, you know, the right angles, where to be on the court and stuff like that. So I think Aiton is still trying to search himself out a little bit, but I think once everything gets clicking, this Suns team is going to be uh really good. Um, I'm sticking by know, my conference final Suns pick. That would, I mean, with the ceiling they have, I mean, that, that wouldn't surprise me. Um, or that, Honestly, I, w- I still need to – I want to see how the Clippers look throughout the season and how many games Paul George and Kawhi decide to play um, before I say it because I still think it's Lakers-Clipper. I think it's Lakers, then I think Grand Canyon, and then Clippers, and then um, probably the Sun. Lakers look scary. The, the Nuggets, the Nuggets, I have to – 
I want to see. What, a, I want to see ten to fifteen games of Michael Porter Jr. First of all, but also they have some real. This happened last year too. Problems defensively. This happened last year too, where the Nuggets last year started out really slow. Yeah, no, it is and, true. But I, I, I want to see um, how Porter they take a jump. just uh, well, Port not only Porter take a jump, but Jeremy Grant while he wasn't while. Everybody overrated him, and I certainly love Jeremy Grant too. He was their best defender, like right. on the perimeter. And I think there is a huge hole on the perimeter. Like the Nuggets let the Kings get whatever the hell they wanted, especially in the second half of the first of their home opener um, yeah. on Friday. The ending and though was insane. The ending was insane. It was absolute. It was bonkers. And then, of course, they absolutely get plastered on christmas day by <laughs> the clippers and that probably what most of us thought the ser- how the series would go when they played in the bubble but i it's three games in i know but i'm already starting to see some troubling trends with the nuggets of course they still have Jokic, murray that was the other big question with him is like okay playoff murray is great and if it really if he performs in the playoffs and plays just like good jamal murray during regular season but becomes superstar murray in the playoffs then in a weird way i think that max contract is worth it (laughs) because he that shows that he performs when everything's on the table but i did want to see murray kind of be like okay i am one of the best players in this league i would hope he would have came out to a better start but he's kind of been flat so i'm just tracking the nuggets that's all i'm gonna say uh so just just news coming in. Uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron are, are playing tonight, but Caruso isn't uh, because of the NBA's health and safety protocols. Uh, there's rumors that he tested positive for COVID. Um, Ooh. So that's not good. And then uh, also Jaw just rolled his ankle really bad. So yeah, we're recording this while the uh, <laughs> while games are going on. Well, yeah, the early part of the games are going on. Uh, if so Jaw that... ja looks. That he rolled it real bad, so we'll see what happens. He's not playing right now, so we'll see what damn. happens. Well, uh, damn, that's, but, that's uh, gonna be huge for the that's gonna be that's obviously huge for the Grizzlies. I thought Jaw was looking primed to, yeah, like, him, make his, duel, his duel with Trey Young like yesterday was fantastic based on how Jaw was playing in the preseason, too. Like, he would look like he was ready to like stake claim as like a top 25, top 20 NBA player. I know Bill Simmons went on his within Bill Simmons fashion, bold predictions, like John Morant's going to be a top 15 player. I'm not going to agree with that, but I could see why. Like, obviously, yeah, I understand I mean, it's still. obvious. Like, the, John the, Morant right now, the league John is stacked. Morant. The, league the league is stacked, stacked with right young now. talent. Like, that's why I had to make tears with players because yeah. you know how, so like, I'm sure you've had this before in your years of consuming basketball content, but like, you ever listen to podcasts and people just say like, this top guy's 10, playing like, no, not just top 10, you know, because there's different levels to it. It's like, this guy's playing like a top five NBA player. And top five usually implies like, okay, those are the guys, like the franchise right. guys, right? But then you listen to a bunch of podcasts and next thing you know, there's like nine fucking players in the top five. <laughs> yeah, you're just I'm like, which, you. you're just like, which one? So now I, I think the league is so deep and talented that we kind of have to yeah, readjust to how we readjust well, this, how this we judge we the, these players. This is why we had the conversation the other day of with Paul George with. Yeah, like and it's not like, again, we had that big discussion. It's not like we were discussing 
like I think Paul George is in the is a bottom tier player, and you think he's a top tier player. We argued if he he was top twenty or top or top fifteen. Like you know what I mean? Like it's not like we're super far apart, but that's kind of the margin that we're in where the league is stacked, and it, yeah. the the difference between where each player is on these lists is so nuanced and so different. Where it, you know it it is. It's something that you do have to write down and really think about before you I think eventually we're going to have to also reconcile with the fact that, like, because there's so much talent in the league, like, sometimes teams are going to have down years. Like, I think Trey Young is a really great offensive player. I think he's a great, I think he's a star player. And I understand why people want to hold the wins and losses against him. Because, again, he's literally the worst guard defender in the NBA and stuff like yeah, that. But exactly. he's a talented player, too. And I, he's like he, he's someone that I could see myself if I was a GM. I'd build my franchise around because I think his offensive talent is that special. Because not only he has the range, but he is already a top six, top seven passer. Like, And that might be selling him short. Like, sure. There's just a bunch of good players in the league right now the league is very the league is very very stacked like brandon ingram for example which i yeah. do want to talk about the pelicans brandon ingram for example like and at a chance to bring up our weekly lonzo ball quota but brandon ingram has been awesome yeah to start the season and you know he's coming off of that big extension you know very well earned but the guy's averaging 26 points almost seven assists he's take it seems to maybe he might be primed for another leap in playmaking um his rebounds are up as well but that shooting that was the main thing that we wanted to see is that off the dribble shooting is that three-point shooting gonna stick and so far it is he's not gonna shoot 47 percent from three i don't think he's that type of a shooter although if he did shoot like that i'd obviously have to eat crow but he's kind of tur- he's turning into the player that we thought he was going to be. Maybe people saw coming out of Duke and why guys like Kevin O'Connor had him ranked ahead of Ben Simmons or one of the few people who ranked Brandon Ingram ahead of Ben Simmons. And, you know, that conversation is always interesting to me because part of it is what you value, right? right. And I think with Ingram's, if Ingram keeps this level of playmaking and rebounding while keeping his scoring and shooting up, I think. I by think the end of lot. this season, you might have to put him ahead of Ben Simmons, especially if the Pelicans are going to be winning games and are in the playoffs. Right. So I, I'm of the argument. My my thing was always, and as a Laker fan, my thing was always Ben Simmons is the better player, but I think Ingram's ceiling is higher than people think. Like the the gap was closer than people think it is. Yeah, and it and it became a thing of like. You know, Ben Simmons is one of the best players in the NBA, and Brandon Ingham is a bust. And it's like, no, it's it's not. Well, like, you know you how to... people do yeah, when you know... they argue extremes. They have their flag planted on one side; they're not moving. You know, yeah, and you're like, you're like, no. There's a lot to Brandon Ingram's game. If you watch him play, there's a lot here where you're like, if he can get more consistent, he's going to be a monster. And so for yep. him to do this now, especially with Zion, Zion's playing extremely well too. He's averaging 22.4 points. He has he's averaging, I think, like seven rebounds a game. He mm-hmm. has and highly high efficiency numbers too. And the most important thing to me, he's playing 29 minutes a game. Yeah. Like he's he's looking pre- or no, he's playing sorry, he's playing like 30, he's playing 30 points or 36 minutes a game. 
Mm-hmm. So you know that's that's great. He's looking yeah. like a monster, and yep. I think that if all of these guys continue to progress this way, to me the biggest thing watching Pelicans game is the addition of Steven Adams. Yeah, um, he's kind of a. I still think they need to figure out like a good balance of, you know, Size. playing those two apart, Zion and Adams apart. Because even together, like you could see it works sometimes, but they still get in each other's way. Um, but I understand why the Pelicans got Adams. Like they were terrible defensively. It was a fucking layup line in the bubble. Like they were they were not good defensively. And Steven Adams, I think, has always been underrated offensively, just in terms of like touch. Like if you get him catching the ball on the move, like he has a nice little one-handed a uh, hook shot that he can or floater that he could get off in the paint like you know he could be a decent passer i think the fact that he was russell westbrook's teammate in oklahoma city kind of we didn't get to see the type of stuff people were gushing about when he was coming out of pit when he was more of a raw player but that's still a decent pickup i do want to see if uh it, this trend kind of happened in the bubble, but remember before the bubble, the Pelicans with Zion in the lineup were demolishing teams. I think it was like a plus 19 net rating or something like that. Um, in the bubble, it was bad. They were like minus a thousand when yeah. Zion was on the court. And, you know, part of that's the bubble. Part of that, I think Gentry wanted, you know, I think Gentry was on his way out, but that was still troubling. And the trend so far, Zion's only a plus two when he's on the court. Um, with when he's on the court, and I want to see those lineups kind of get back to more of how effective they were pre-bubble last year. But they're still two and one, which is a decent start. They still have Lonzo Ball, who has he's, he's come alive. Struggling. He's struggling from three the last two games, but that shot looks repeatable as hell. It's the best it's ever looked. He's shooting yeah. it with confidence, and I think teams are actually starting to get the memo now. Like. Okay, maybe we should close out a little bit more. Like, I still don't think they're going to leave him. I still don't think they're going to freak out, like, say, like, if Steph Curry was coming off of a, or Seth Curry even, or a good shooter like that was coming off of a dribble handoff or something like that. But now they respect Lonzo shooting more. And I just think it opens up the the game. It really does. Yeah, it really does. And, I want to see maybe the Pelicans start playing more Ingram by himself and with bench units. So maybe the bench could be helped out a little bit. Cause I think Zoe and Zion there's, they have such a synergy with each other that yeah. lineups with it, with them in it last year were killing teams as well. Pre bubble. And maybe because uh, if you look at the combinations, Zion and Ingram haven't quite figured out each other yet. If, especially when you look at lineup data and just watching the games, um, so maybe we'll see Stan stagger them that way. It, the Pelicans, they're the most—they're one of the most interesting teams in the NBA to me because I thought I had a read on them last uh, read on them last year, and then some of their moves have been interesting this offseason, just in terms of who they let go and who they got. So the thing that I don't—the thing that I didn't recognize forever—I don't know why—and watching them play, the addition of Eric Bledsoe as an off-ball cutting guard for Lonzo that, that helps huge that it helps so much space it it let it gives Lonzo another outlet to throw to and again once Bledsoe gets it on the cut he's able to find guys and kick if needed and he's finding Adams and Zion for easy put in like just easy drop-offs and you're like wow 
The thing with Bledsoe is like he's still a good regular season player. Like, yeah, Bledsoe like the Pelicans could do worse than Eric Bledsoe. Like I mean, going from Drew Holiday to Eric Bledsoe is like I mean it's a downgrade. Obviously, you're flipping, it. You're flipping from offense to defense or defense to offense. There, like you're just yeah, like it's it's uh yeah it's you you couldn't do you could do worse and i mean playoffs obviously different story but you know the pelicans definitely they have some interesting pieces and i also want to see if not the game has passed by stan van gundy but see if he learned anything from detroit hopefully uh him and david griffin are seem to be on the same page there's no uh coach gm chicanery going on there um like when stan was also the coach and the president of basketball operations in detroit so um you know we'll see the pelicans have a they have an interesting uh team as well it seems like there's a lot of interesting storylines going on this time around especially this this is going to be one of the weirdest seasons of all time so and we're already kind of getting some not weird trends, but like, you know, like at the start of the season, there's always some like, oh, oh, that's a, that was a nice little surprise. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, um, the Pelicans the are very interesting. I'm sorry. I said like the Knicks beating the Bucks or like that, the, was, yeah. that was wild. Like, <laughs> I, I haven't watched, I haven't watched the, uh, I haven't watched that game yet or how it got to that point, but that was Julius Randall, man. I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah, no, he had I think he had like 29 points or something like yeah. that. Like is, you know, spinning to his heart's content, I assume. I didn't watch the game, but hopefully he had a bunch of spin moves. Um, but uh also, you know, weird things like the, you know, the Sixers getting absolutely annihilated by the Cavs. There's just there's just things going on in the NBA season. The Pistons look like they're gonna be as fucking terrible as I yeah, I, uh, like, I, I still don't know what they're doing. They should have just kept Jello just to make people watch. Yeah, <laughs> I know that would have that would have brought more, uh, you know, viewership to that city because, um, man, like because everybody was all, you know, high off the preseason. I think the Pistons were two and one or something, three and one in the preseason. And it's like, yeah, OK, don't don't get hype off preseason like this team is this team is still uh, terrible. Um, how do you uh so a uh, quick temperature check I guess to start the season for you how do how uh what are your first impressions of your uh, of your Lakers not to br- not to I loathe bringing the Lakers into this podcast for discussion but you know they they're, they're they the champions look, they look exactly what I thought they were going to be I mean they looked like they didn't give a shit on opening day <laughs> yeah uh, I, I kind of figured they they got they looked like they were still happy about their rings on opening day and uh you know as expected they they came out flat they looked horrible and i think i tweeted about it too they they came back in that second third quarter uh to tie the game up after being down by like 20 something and i think i tweeted about it like i will hope we lose this game like the, this is the kind of game and it's it's something that the lakers do and good teams do all the time where they they feel like they can turn it on and so they come out sluggish and lethargic and then they turn it on and they end up winning the game and i hate games like that because it just teaches bad habits right yep uh so like those are the games that i love to lose those are the games where i'm like please just let us get our ass kicked so that we can just wake up and be fine the rest of the year or at least yeah. like you know no, understand that we can't do that and so yeah losing that game is great and then coming out the bench looks fantastic. Kuz is playing well. He's playing within his role. He's playing smart. He's doing what he's supposed to do. 
Uh, Schroeder's doing great, taking pressure off LeBron. Schroeder and Harrell are already, Harold already have a chemistry. I mean, it was easy to see, but Schroeder and Harrell already have a little chemistry going there. Like, yeah. When LeBron and, and Anthony is, Davis go, the the non where the minutes where LeBron and Anthony Davis are off the floor, I think the Lakers are going to be fine at least, or at least could tread water a lot more easier. It's like getting playoff, like Kevin O'Connor said in his power rankings today. It's like getting playoff Rondo, but all playoff or all regular season. It's fantastic, and so having that, especially now, like you can tell early in the season, LeBron's not really trying that hard. 80s. He was trying shit in the Christmas game. That shit was yeah. so funny. <laughs> like he's not, he's not, he's not actually. I'm, I'm convinced LeBron still thinks it's preseason. Okay, like, my guy, my guy, airballed a free throw, then took a one-legged deep three-point shot and badly missed it. And then he tried to fire a pass. I don't know who was rolling to the basket, but he like fired this nonchalant one-hander, and it just yeah. flew out of bounds. Like he's fucking around. <laughs> yeah, and so. I, I was joking with my dad. I was like, dude, did LeBron pick up a basketball in the past three months? Like, is he just... <laughs> no, I don't think he did. I was like, like yo... I think he said that on the road he, uh, tripping podcast. I was like, did he... Uh... Did he body swap with Bronny? Did he? Uh, did he? <laughs> did, did he get attacked by the monsters? Like, what? What's going on? But yeah, I mean, the thing is that he's not trying that hard, but he's still averaging twenty points a game. Like, it's not like I know it's wild. And and it's funny too. Uh, Cavs film room, I think, tweeted the other day of like I've been covering LeBron every game of LeBron's career for the last you know six whatever sixteen years or whatever, and. Uh, and oh, I saw I, that tweet. And too. like, and let me tell you, he's coasting. He's coasting. He, this is the most I've ever seen him coasting. And you're like, all right, you know, I trust, I trust the LeBron expert. But you know, as just a basketball I mean, person, you can tell he's not, he's yeah, not fully engaged. He's he's coasting. But you know, <laughs> like we've always said, by the time the playoffs roll around, yeah, like, like, like I'm. The thing is, what that's scary to me is the Lakers look so good now, and half of their team isn't in form. Yeah, and. Marcus all was just dishing and dishing yesterday. Dude, I was, Timberwolves. There's, a, there's a tweet that was that I was laughing at so hard. It was like, I'm convinced Marcus all could throw a perfect bounce pass with a deflated basketball. I saw that one. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that was pretty good. Yeah, just having Marcus all's passing just gives the Lakers something that and unlocks Kuz. White never really gave. Yeah. And Kuz as a cutter, as a spot up shooter, like it, Putting it, it, smart players around Kuzma is a good thing because in a limited role, Kuzma is a solid player. Yeah, Kuz's decision making is his like Achilles heel. His decision making and his playmaking ability, and so when you put him in situations where it's like, yeah, Kuzma's boy, that's not a lot like fun. fucking Tobias Harris, who's yeah. making five times as much as Kuzma. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the thing is, like, when you get Tobias Harris, the same thing. When you get guys like that in situations where it's like, dude, don't think too much, just catch and go and do your thing. Like, yeah. And and when you have passers like LeBron and Schroeder and Gasol, Gasol. All around him, he just has to he dude move, move, find the open spot and go. Make your yep. move. Do your thing. And the game becomes so easy for them at that we're point. We're not we're not calling pick and rolls for you so you can get your shot go. We're not doing any of that shit. You just stay in your uh, limited role. Uh speaking of limited, and by limited, I mean the players surrounding this star player. The Golden State Warriors suck. <laughs> we'll we'll end off on the Golden State Warriors because I it's depressing talking about the Golden State Warriors. They look so bad. <laughs> Ubre, I think I saw it. He's Kelly Ubre is 0 for 31 
in non-dunk attempts so far this season. Dude, Andrew Wiggins. I have Andrew Wiggins in our fantasy league. And he he had a good game yesterday, but man, he he's turning the ball over. He's missing wide open shots. Dude, he's opening night. Opening night. I have never seen a less confident player who was also at the same time lost and had no idea what he was doing. Like Andrew Wiggins was terrible. And for the season, he's shooting 32% from the field. This is including dunks and layups. And a very cool 32%. (laughs) Shooting 30% from three, two on four attempts per game. So if you're looking for spacing from the wing, well, no. Um, Looking for playmaking from the wing? No. Andrew Wiggins is averaging 1.7 assists and 1.7 turnovers so far. Um, All the things... The thing is, I don't think the Warriors look this bad where they're getting annihilated by the Nets and the Bucks, who are championship contenders, right? Because I I have the Warriors floating around the playoffs, especially after Clay went down, but... This is going to be rough. Like a Mar- like a yeah. Eric Paschal's being asked to play small ball center, and he just gets torched every time. Especially one on like Kyrie Irving just torched him every time he switched out onto him. I think we're going to learn a lot about Steve Kerr as a coach this year because while I think he's a good coach, I've always thought of him in the elite tier coach. But my what I'm starting to find out with him is he doesn't adjust the system to his talent and to me me, he's talked about this and he's always thinks that you know the spurs player movement ball movement style works but that only works when you have the personnel to do it and he even when he doesn't have the personnel he still wants to go to that because his philosophy is i don't want to run just one style but that's the best you got right now like the best offense i've seen the warriors run so far is the steph wiseman pick and roll like that gets something every time. And it's wild yeah. because Wiseman is a rookie because Ubre ain't getting you shit. Wiggins is bricking everything and getting torched on the on the defensive end. Um Paschal's getting blasted. And then you have guys like Damian Lee um coming off. They the needed bench. a game winner the other night to beat the Bulls. Beat the Bulls. And they needed 35 for, or 36 from Steph just to stay in it. Steph went berserk <laughs> in the fourth fourth quarter. Like this team they're yeah, they're they're not I <laughs> just give me by like game 10, like if I don't see any like okay, they're not this bad, like I have to have them out of the playoffs even with Draymond coming back. Like I just think the talent's the talent is also just young and too raw and also in Wiggins case, just flat out awful. Um, yeah. And, and I know I said LaMelo was going to win rookie of the year going away. And I still stick by that. I still think that there's a lot of uh, growth. For, and I, from what I've seen, I haven't seen anything that tells me otherwise, but I do think if the Warriors continue to be bad and Wiseman keeps trending in this way and he's just going to get more minutes and more playing time and he could sneak in there. Oh, absolutely. Cause, uh, he, like, like we were saying earlier, he's their only bright spot. (laughs) He's there. He's really their only bright spot. And, um, you know, you throw in Brad Wanamaker to back up Steph. That's, he's been not good. Like this whole, the, I guess the bright spot for the Warriors is they have a top three protected pick from Minnesota this year um then they have their own lottery pick so yeah. there could be a chance um 
I'm so there's a universe where the Warriors could get the number one pick and like a number four pick or something like that, a la New Orleans two summers ago. Um, Man, when they, they get Cade, like if they get Cade Cunningham, like that would be wild. And then if they get somebody with that fourth pick or fifth pick, like a Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley or somebody like that, just having an extra luxury with an extra lottery pick, the Warriors still have. The Warriors, I still think, are in a good position. Just this season, they're gonna. I feel Dude, bad for Steph, man. Like Cade would, Cade would be dirty. Cade with would the be Warriors. disgusting with the Warriors. He would be absolutely disgusting, and he would contribute right away. Like I have yeah. no worries about Cade. Yeah, he's gonna be a rookie. He's gonna have some mistakes and stuff like that. But his game and his skill and his but poise. When you, and when you flank him, when you flank him with Clay and Steph, yeah. Like, oh come my on, God. man. Like, come on. Like, it's not. Steph doesn't even need to play point guard anymore. You can just have K give K the ball and let Steph run off screens. What are but they going to do? The only saving grace from that Wiggins Russell trade, though, is really that Minnesota top three protected pick because the Warriors wouldn't be this bad with D'Angelo Russell, like, out there. Like, no. I know they said that the Steph Russell backcourt, I, I just don't buy that. I think players, it was like when to a lesser degree obviously and you know kind of different circumstances but this was the reason the kings didn't draft luka Doncic because vlade divac was afraid that having a Doncic fox backcourt wouldn't work players who can both dribble or who can do all three of dribble pass and shoot can fit together like it like those are the three i don't know if, i don't know if delo's delo has a bit of an ego coming from laker fan i i don't know if he can I don't know if he would be able I to. I thought he take ironed like those a... out in Brooklyn, though. Like he seemed to have really changed, like his mentality going into Brooklyn and learning. Like I know what you're saying. Like the the he just likes to have the ball in his hand, right? Like he he is a he is a point guard. He does, like, he does like, like to have the ball, the ball in, his in his hands, but he does like he also has shown the ability to shoot off the catch. That shot. Oh, sure. You've seen his shot. Yeah, I, his, I think like, he's super talented. I don't. I don't disagree I just with his thought, talent. I, I just, just think, think like, the skill set fits. I would rather just have his skill set than Wiggins. Oh, like, of course, night and like, day. Obviously, but my like, thing is my thing comes down to like, is he going to be happy if Steph is handling the ball seventy percent of the time they're on the court together? He's definitely happy playing with Carl uh, Anthony Towns now. Uh, yeah, because they, they, sure. they it's it's so synergistically it, it's it's the traditional NBA synergy of like the big and the guard, right? Yep, but. I, I my thing is like when you have Steph handling the ball most of the time, is D'Lo going to be happy playing off ball and doing that? He can do it and he can do it in, in stretches and be very, very good at it. But I don't know if he'll be happy over the course of a season doing that. Well, Steph is the most off ball superstar off ball, ever. Yeah. Ever. Um well, I, I would think him him and to me Reggie Miller is because Reggie Miller couldn't dribble worth a damn. Th- well, yeah, but I mean, Steph's off-ball force just in terms of him setting screens and also Reggie might be the best coming off of screens, catching and shooting. I just, mean in terms of of just, I just mean in terms of usage, like fucking Reggie Miller never dribbled the ball in his life. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess he's the most he's the most used. Uh, he's the most used off-ball superstar yeah, ever. Yeah, okay. most used off-ball superstar ever. But I think just in terms of effectiveness, like I think anybody would be happy playing next to Steph just because. Oh, yeah. Because you see right now, like, they're running a bit more pick and roll this year, but Steve Kerr just has those tendencies where he's, like, twitching, and he's like, I haven't seen Steph run off screens in a while. Like, we got to go back to our old offense. Like, Well, the and, thing is, I the thing is, like, 
the, the the people passing Steph the ball who's running off of screens is Wiggins, Wanamaker, Wiseman sometimes with the dribble handoffs, although that's honestly the, <laughs> the best fucking option right now. Like, yeah. They're still trying to do the Steph off-ball warrior system stuff, and they don't have the players to do it. And I'm just I'm watching Kerr this year. I'm watching everything with the Warriors this year. And I also know I'm going to be pulling out the Jon Snow, pulling out the sword against an army of people, GIF, when I'm arguing with people about Steph on Twitter. That's just I know that's what my future is going to be. I I think I think I'm I'm sad for Steph. Just because I think this season is going to have a huge effect on his legacy, and I don't think it should. Oh, but, absolutely. I don't think it should either. But like, I, under, I, I completely understand the people that are going to go at him, but I don't agree with it 100%. I don't agree with it either. And it's it's a shame, too, because, um, you know, people are when obviously Damian Lillard went off last year, um, had a career year and he's been a great player for a long time. I'm a huge Damian Lillard fan, but you already saw like NBA Twitter kind of just like using Dame as a way to spear Steph out of the conversation and be like, and basically it's like confirmation bias, right? You, you see what you want to see so you can confirm your own, uh, preconceived thoughts and stuff like that. So people were using Dame Lillard as like this, um, as this catalyst to bring down Steph. And I can already see it happening this year. Like it, people <laughs> are like Dame carried a crap team, even though he got booted out of the first round a few times and also got blasted in the Western conference finals by Steph. Um, it, it, you could just see, you could just see the it's, t- it's starting to turn. It's start yeah. and Max Kellerman's just sitting back in his chair. Like, <laughs> see, I told you guys about, I told you about that Steph, And I just, I just know I'm going to be, I know I talked about it before, um, but one of these days on the podcast, I'm going to have to get into the story about how I ended up at one of my fraternity brother's birthday parties, having a 30 minute argument with somebody about Steph Curry drunk because uh, after his unanimous MVP season, someone had the gall to say that he didn't deserve it. And so uh, you can kind of just imagine yeah, <laughs> how that conversation went <laughs> during the party. But uh yeah, I'm. I'm very. Uh, I feel very bad for Steph and the Warriors suck. <laughs> yeah, the Warriors are really bad. Um, yeah, I think. I think that's it. I think that's kind of the gist of. We kind of went all. We kind of went all over. We the went place, all over the place. There is, but uh, we went from the top like, to the bottom. <laughs> we went from the Hornets to the Cavs to the Magic uh, Kings, all the way to the big the Lakers. Warriors to the, to um, the bottom of the barrel. With the, to the, the bottom of the barrel. Warriors. What you expect here at the Bob Podcast? We don't. <laughs> we don't just watch the big market teams. Oh shit! Bottom of barrel is also Bob. <laughs> I mean, hey, like uh, you'll find it at the bo- you'll find this podcast at the bottom of the barrel too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna hopefully rise to the top of the barrel in basketball podcast soon. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic. Uh, another real quickly before we go. When another team I also want to watch, um, the San Antonio Spurs, they seem to have taken the philosophy of um, we're going to take our young players and we're just going to run. Um, I was a huge Lonnie Walker fan when he came out of Miami. Uh, DeJounte Murray, now that he's fully recovered from his knee injury, he is a menace defensively. Absolutely. Uh, 
Um, then of course, Derek white, he signed his extension. Um, you still have Patty mill. Like you still have good players on like DeMar DeRozan's a good player. He had a career year last year. I don't know. If yeah. People, I think people, people keep... slept on the Raptors and they're like, Oh, DeRozan mid range. He's fucking terrible. Like analytics. He's a enemy of analytics, Twitter. Although if you look at his metrics, they were actually quite good. The um, thing is, there's year. always a place in the league for a guy that can create his own shot, right? Yeah, they're always, and that's and why he's an elite, and he's elite at that. It's just a mid-range shot, but I mean, it's still important in crunch time, and and when you need a bucket, like that's a guy you trust to get you a shot. Like it's very much the reason why I had. I mean, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here because I predicted the Spurs to be a play-in team. That's not really something to uh, brag about, but I had the Spurs as one of the play-in teams with the uh, Memphis and the uh, well. I mean, I might have to move the Thunder back. I was maybe overzealous on that one, especially looking at the preseason and how the one game so far where they barely beat the Hornets. But the Spurs are Greg Popovich is still kind of adapting. And so, you know, we'll see. We'll see. No, totally agree. But uh, yeah, that's going to do it this week for the B.O.B. Box Out Banter podcast. And uh, we have some good slate of games coming up in this next week. So we'll oh, see yeah. you guys. Uh, See you guys next week. The B.O.B.